It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. You're tuned into Christian Questions. Join the conversation now on air or online at ChristianQuestions.com and download our app by searching for Christian Questions Radio. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Maya Angelou once said, Try to be a rainbow in someone's cloud. Good morning, I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. And I'm Jonathan, and that different perspective has its basis in three things. Godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, always done in a politically free zone. Folks, thanks for joining us today. This is a call-in format, and we are caller-friendly. So... Let's get started. And Jonathan, I'm back. Yes, you are, and I'm so <laughs> glad. <laughs> you guys did really well last week. Thank you. You did really well. By I had God's a, grace. I had a really, really cool time in uh, in uh, Los Angeles at the Bible conference there. Nice. And uh, it certainly was so much easier to not have to call in so early in the morning. Oh, so three th- hours th- earlier. <laughs> thank you so much. But what's on tap for this morning? Well, Rick, our question is, how can I inspire like Jesus? And our theme text is found in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. You know, the, the, the bottom line is inspiration elevates people. Everybody loves inspiration, and everybody wants to be inspired. We, we love to hear or watch stories that bring us inspiration, and we will go back to these stories again and again and again to refuel. Even more than going back to those stories, we love to be inspiring to others. We would love to be that story that people go back to again and again. And, you know, that's exactly what Jesus was like. He was a constant source of inspiration in everything he said and did. And for the last 2,000 years, billions of people have gone back to the accounts of his life to be inspired and directed. Well, folks, what if you could learn how Jesus inspired others and begin to become an inspiration yourself? Wow, what a challenge. It is a challenge, and it's a very, very exciting challenge. And, you know, this, this, is a, this is a, you think, well, wait, how can I inspire like Jesus? Well, I can't be like Jesus, but we can learn the principles of inspiration that Jesus used. So to do this, Jonathan, because this one's beyond me, we had to bring in the, uh, the, the special help. So with us this morning, we have a very special guest, Todd Alexander. Good morning, Todd. Good morning, Rick and Jonathan. It's great to be here. How are you this morning? Doing great. Bright and early, my friend. That's right. Bright and early. And Todd, you have your wife with you this time? Marilyn traveled with me this time, yes. That's right. Hello, Marilyn. Say hello. Good morning. You heard her there in the background. It's good to be back. It is. It's great to have you. You've been here before. About three times, I think. And uh, we've had some really lively conversations with you. Plus, I've known you for a long time. Yeah, since we were both little kids. Really, very small. <laughs> Some of us haven't gotten over that part yet, but hey. <laughs> I was going to say something. Yeah, I know. I figured I'd beat you to it. <laughs> so, Todd, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and who you are, where you come from, why you're here, and all of that. Well, I, lo- I love Jesus. I've been a follower of Jesus ever since I was you know, 19 years old when I gave my life to, to God through Jesus. And I just love learning the words of Jesus. I like reading the scriptures, but... It occurred to me over time that there was a process that Jesus used to inspire people. When the scriptures talk about how he mesmerized the crowds and how they were just inspired by his teaching and how he was able to allow the little guy to rise up and take power and take control through faith in Jesus, 
what does that faith mean? Well, it, there's a process of inspiration that Jesus was able to plant those seeds of faith. Now, in the secular world, I'm an advertising agency executive. So my job is to understand retail environments. Uh, for instance, I go into Starbucks and I just love the ethos, the environment there. And I love what Starbucks does there. I'm also a, a tour guide. I, I give tours in Washington, D.C. and New York City. And um, I like to study people. Uh, I love God and I love Jesus and I want to be like them. And God and Jesus give us the power to be like them and to have to, to follow Jesus. But we follow Jesus not only in acknowledging him but in following his footsteps. And there's a process that I've discovered that Jesus used to inspire people. And, folks, that process is what we're going over this morning, so stay with us. This is really fascinating. It really, really, truly is fascinating. So, so Todd, you said several times that Jesus was inspirational. Let, let's, let's establish that scripturally first, and then let's get into what this process is made up of. So, so let's get started. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 22, verse 33. When the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. All right, so it says that they were astonished. Now, now when we look at the, at the definition, Jonathan, what, what kind of definition is that? What does that mean, to be well, astonished? It means to strike out, expel by a blow, drive out or away, to cast off by a blow. But, Rick, in today's terms, it would be called, I was blown away <laughs> by Jesus' words. Well, and there's something very, very dramatic about that. You see, a lot of times I think we, we think about Bible uh, experiences as sort of benign, just kind of Dry. calm. But the, the word that says that they were astonished, Todd, is, is like, it's a big word. It is. It's like they were knocked off their feet. Their socks were rolling up and down. <laughs> so, so, okay, I never thought of it that way before, but hey, I didn't know they wore socks in those days. But <laughs> anyway, another scripture. Let, let's, let's lay out the inspiration of Jesus first. Uh, Mark eleven seventeen to 18. And he began to teach and say to them, it is not written... My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a robber's den. The chief priests and the scribes heard this and began seeking how to destroy him, for they were afraid of him, for the whole crowd was astonished at his teaching. So, Todd, Todd there was a note here about the Phillips translation on that. What, what was? Well, the Phillips translation translate that's, translates that phrase, phrase, captures the imagine of the pe- imagination of the people. So Jesus was able to capture the imagination of an oppressed people. Secularly, they were oppressed by the Romans. Religiously, they were oppressed by their spiritual leaders. And Jesus was going to change all of that through inspiration. So he found a way to get to the average person where nobody else could get to them. Right. And because of the two levels of oppression, I think that's really important. In, th- in this scripture, you know, it's the it's the Pharisees that are that are, um, are 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 arguing with him and about him, like you know, you know, stop already. But he found a way through all of that oppression. So he started a revolution. Yes, actually, he did, and not the kind of revolution that people generally think of, but a revolution that would become an eternal to revolution. liberate people from oppression. And that really is the plan of God. It goes all the way back to Isaiah 61, my friend. Which says? Which says, um, gosh, I I will. (laughs) Well, you know, um, while you're looking that up. (laughs) I've got it right here. Okay. I'm sorry to throw that zinger at you, but that was really what he quoted in the book of Acts. It's Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. 
to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison house to them that are bound. That sounds like inspiration to me. It does. And we're going to actually come back to that scripture later on. Okay. A couple more scriptures on the inspirational nature of Jesus. Mark twelve thirty seven. David himself calls him Lord. So in what sense is he his son? And the large crowd enjoyed listening to him. So there was that being blown off your feet. There's that enjoyment. He had this magnetism that was just unheard of. He put the common people in the driver's seat. Yeah. You know, and, and it really, and one more scripture, um, John seven forty six. The officers answered, never man spake like this man. So he was looked at differently because of the, the words that he spoke. And he really, truly was inspirational. So, folks, today, what, what we want you to do is look at this and say, okay, how can I learn what those principles of inspiration are? And how can I become more inspirational in my everyday life to people around me? Rick, my advice would be to think about which people you want to inspire because and write that down because at the end of the show, we're going to give you that formula. Okay. All right. So uh, keep that in mind. Uh, take some notes. You heard it from Todd. So we, we are instructed to be inspirational as well. See, it's, it's one thing to say, okay, Jesus inspires me. And, you know, he does. You know, I know he inspires you. I know he inspires me. I know he inspires everybody in this room. Uh, but it's another thing to say, I'm supposed to be inspirational as well. Let's take a look at Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So, so Todd, the scriptures, let's consider how to stimulate one another to love and good, good deeds. That sounds like inspiration to me. Yeah, it's making somebody sharper than they used to be, and it's to, to let them find something within themselves that they did not know existed. There's power there. There's secret power. And that's what inspiration is all about, liberating that secret power and making it effective and relevant in their lives. So there's, there, there's, there's this responsibility for us to bring that out of one another. That's what fellowship really truly is. Exactly. And the Apostle Paul is speaking to everybody here, not just to select people with the talent to inspire. And I think he's t saying that all of us have that ability. So how do we find it, folks? That's what we're looking for this morning. Let's take a moment. Let's go to a soundbite. Uh, this was from a, a YouTube video. Uh, best, it, it, the, the video itself is called Best Inspirational Speech Ever, Motivational Video, Amazing and all of that. You know how they and, – and it just gives you the, – these are words of inspiration. Let's listen. Greatness is not this uh, wonderful, esoteric, elusive, uh, godlike – feature that only the special among us are, will ever taste. You know, it's something that truly exists in all of us. It's very simple. This is what I believe, and I'm willing to die for it. Period. When you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful. That was the, the first speaker there was Will Smith, and the second one was a, a football coach. And so they're, 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 they're talking, and we're going to go back to those kinds of inspirational little clips to just kind of get a sense of there's something bigger here. There's something greater here. Uh, go, go for it. Work at it. Focus on it. So, so, Todd, very quickly, you have broken down the methods of Jesus' inspiration into seven basic keys. Right. Okay, so let's just give a quick... 
one-line definition of each. The first is what? The first one is asking the right question. Okay. And what I mean by that is to create a thought in a potential disciple's heart. And that's what Jesus did with Peter after he was after Jesus died and resurrected. He met Peter on the seashore and he asked him three questions that were the same. Do you love me? And that question inspired Peter to find out if he if he really did love Jesus. And Jesus was a master at asking questions. Okay, right. so that's that's the first question. And, and, and folks, we're going to go through each of these in in detail. So we're just going to list them off now. What's the second point? Love, and okay. that's to show the face of God. We have the opportunity to show the face of God to people by loving them and to showing our love, even to our enemies. That's the secret code of Christianity. Love your enemies, which is very hard. We did a program on that just two weeks ago. So the third, the third key to inspiration is what? Hope. It, and the definition for hope is to demonstrate potential in the future, to give people a roadmap for recovery, to give a road, people a roadmap for success. Okay. So we've got question, love, hope. Key number four. Integrity. And that's to provide a moral foundation. Sometimes people's lives are in such a morass that you have to clearly articulate the moral foundation that they are operating on or point them to one that they should be. Ah, and I think that second half of the point is is very, very important. Okay, so the fourth key is integrity. Fifth key is what? Power. And the definition for that is to create a psychological engine for momentum. A what? A psychological engine <laughs> for momentum. I can't wait to talk about this one. <laughs> it's the idea of giving the individual tools to change. Okay. All right. So begin in the mind. So power really is, is, is going for tools to change. Yes. Okay. And we'll get to that later on in the program. The sixth key to inspiration is what? Purpose. To show the structure of one's future relevancy. You know, the most important human need is to be relevant within community, within yeah. family, and, and giving somebody that purpose. That's what Jesus was all about. He gave us purpose. Okay, and, and again, we can do that for others as well. And the seventh key to inspiration is what? Story. Telling the right story. And the power of story, what it does is it makes truth self-evident and memorable. We oh. can remember interesting facts about a story like the Good Samaritan forever. In yeah. fact, they become part of our language yep. because they were pithy, they were short, they were on point, and they were memorable. All right, so we've got these seven keys, question, love, hope, integrity, power, purpose, and story. These are what inspiration is made of. So what does that mean? What do we do with it? This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, Todd Alexander. And our subject is, How Can I Inspire Like Jesus? Coming up, how can inspiration come through questions? And what's love got to do with it? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for today is, How Can I Inspire Like Jesus? With our special guest, Todd Alexander. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL, or you can message us on your app. And if you don't have our free app, go to your app store and type in Christian Questions Radio. 
Okay, so uh, Jonathan, just a, a quick side point, which I think is kind of cool, uh, is that you know we started this program 18 years ago. Next, Can you next week, believe it. And wow. uh, so, so next week's the, the 18th Lord is good. anniversary. Yes, but the very first program, which don't listen to it. All right. <laughs> And the very it was bad. Yeah, it was. Well, you know, when you don't have any experience at all. And the very first theme scripture was exactly the same theme scripture as we're using today. Oh, how neat. So that just kind of fits in really, really well. So, folks, the subject today, it's about inspiration. It's not only – and here's how we think of inspiration often. We think of it, yes, I want to be inspired. But, but Todd, you're saying – we should say that. Yes, I want to be inspired, but we should also say, but I want to be inspirational as well. And Jesus gave us the, the process and the formula for it. So the first point, the first key to inspiration in this formula is question. And you said uh, in the first segment to create a thought in a potential disciple's heart. And that's what he did. Uh, the scripture I think we're going to look at shortly is the scripture on the Beatitudes, the Mount of Beatitudes. Now, this happened right after he spent 40 days in the wilderness. He was tempted by Satan. So physically, he was low, but he came right out of the gate, and he spoke to in the presence of his disciples and the multitudes, and he asked them some great questions. All right, and one of the things you've got to look at, folks, is go through the words of Jesus and see how many times he asked questions. It's astounding. Over 300 times. Well, there you go. <laughs> and, and, and as an aside, you know what his most popular question was, Rick? What? What do you want? Interesting. He asked it actually twice. He asked it to blind Bartimaeus, and he asked it to uh, the disciples, uh, John and um, James and John. So asking the right questions is a way to inspire. So let's take a look at that scripture, Todd, and then you can expand it for us. Okay. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. And, and, and Todd, with each of these scriptures that we're going to be going through pretty much for the entire program you kind of isolate a formula within each of these. And that formula is made up of some of these seven points. Like, for instance, this Matthew 5, 13 to 16 scripture we're going to be reading right now, the formula is it's got question plus purpose plus story. So Matthew 5, 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. All right, Todd, question plus purpose plus story. Tell us about this scripture and it fitting into our learning. How can I learn to be inspirational like Jesus? Well, use a great story. Now, the story here is very small. He uses the metaphors salt of the earth. He describes them. He says, Rick, you are like the salt of the earth. Rick, you are like the light of the world. So that's the story part of it. He uses a metaphor Mm -hmm. and it creates a story so we get to understand the concept. Um, he asks the right question. He says, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be salty again? So that question starts something in the heart that you cannot let go of. And Jesus was good at that. Now think about who he was speaking to here. He was speaking to his disciples, but he was also speaking to a large group of people. And he was giving them encouragement, but giving them purpose too. He was saying, hey, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine. You are the salt of the earth. You are the preserving quality that's in a rotten generation. 
And if you consider the social, economic, and the political, the secular, and the spiritual environment they were in, they needed all the inspiration they can get. Sounds like us today, huh? Very much so. And I think that's the relevancy. So as you give these formulas for inspiration, my encouragement would be on, for people listening to actually write down formulas that they think they could use to inspire important loved ones in their life. Okay. All right. So so we've got those three things, and we're kind of focusing on, on the, the, the power of the question. And so Jesus asks kind of a small question, but it's based on a very important story. Because when you say to somebody, you're the salt of the earth, you're, you're putting them in a, in a position of great importance. Yes. And then saying, okay, you've got to keep that. Absolutely. So the so, so question is very, very powerful. Okay, let's, let's continue. Another scripture, another, another perspective. Jesus to Saul of Tarsus. Again, this is uh, when he is being converted, Acts six. Uh, I'm sorry, Acts twenty six fourteen. And again, this the formula in this in this verse, Acts twenty six fourteen, is question, power, and purpose. So, Jonathan, let's read through that, and then Todd, you can expand it for us. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So, Todd, that is a very powerful question. Yes. So what happened in the uh, Saul of Tarsus's heart at that time, in his mind? Uh, I think that there was a flood of emotions that just overcame him and shamed him to himself. Jesus just asked the question, and he let Saul of Tarsus do the work in his own heart, but also a flood of memories. So he knew exactly what Jesus was talking about, but he said, Who art thou, Lord? And then the Lord said, I am you who you've been persecuting. Um, so that question really created that psychological engine for change in the Apostle Paul. So that, and that particular question, it's, it's fascinating to me that, that Jesus asks him that question in that way. Why are you persecuting me? Because in the heart of Saul of Tarsus, he had a good, good heart. And he wanted to serve God. He was he, a good man. He was, but he was doing really bad things. He was, but he was trying to follow what he felt was right in the scriptures. Right. And uh, for that, um, I think Jesus saw that, and he, and which which should give us hope. And if we see people doing the wrong thing, this might be a great intervention uh, tool, using the right question to get them back on the right track. You might say, "Todd, what are you doing? Or wh- why are you doing that?" And by asking Saul of Tarsus that very pointed, purposeful question, literally, that was the beginning of his turning his life around on a dime. Right then, right there, he turned it and he changed because he w- he now knew how to fulfill the desire of his heart. Yeah, one more point that might be interesting. Power was also a part of this because Jesus showed himself in great power. That's true. He gave him the physical evidence. He gave Saul of Tarsus the physical evidence that he was the Messiah. So he came with authority. So the formula for this would be question plus power plus purpose. All right, so all, all three of those things, question plus power plus purpose. And again, folks, the point is, as we go through each of these seven keys of inspiration, while we're focusing right now on question, the idea is to understand, okay, that means if, if I have opportunities, I can ask questions. And if I can ask questions and learn how to ask the right kinds of questions and look at the questions Jesus asked us to figure out how, then I can become inspirational like Jesus. Amen. And that, when you think about that, that is just like the coolest thing ever. 
I mean, (laughs) you know, how how can we become like that? By studying the way he did things. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. And that means we're on right now. Don't forget, you can interact with us on our Facebook, and you can tweet us at CQNet Radio. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. So, we've got questions sort of put out there, okay? You learn to ask the right kinds of questions. And, you know, and I think, Todd, if I'm not mistaken, one time when you were on with us, you did, we did an entire program on the questions of Jesus. Um, <clears throat> I don't remember that specifically, but I think you're maybe thinking of a lecture I gave. Oh, okay, maybe I am. <clears throat> but, okay. but that's very important. Now, the, the power of a question is that the, the question allows the individual to do the heavy lifting themselves. It's not something that you're forcing on them. They're doing it themselves. And again, it's that when you give somebody ownership of the answer, that's where inspiration comes in. Because when people own their experience, they tend to take much better care of it. And so that's what you're saying. Questioning, and I like the way you put it, questioning gives the heavy lifting to the person who's being asked. Amen. So good, good, good start. Okay, so question is first. Uh, Let's... Let's just take another quick little moment here. Go to the best inspirational speech ever, this motivational video from from YouTube, just because it talks about the process of moving towards something great. You don't try to build a wall. You don't set out to build a wall. You don't say, I'm going to build the biggest, baddest, greatest wall that's ever been built. You don't start there. You say, I'm going to lay this brick as perfectly as a brick can be laid and you do that every single day and soon you have a wall that's such a great illustration you know you can't you can't conquer the world all in one day but you can conquer today as well as you possibly can and you build one day upon the next upon the next upon the next and pretty soon you've got something and uh, and again jonathan when i think about our experience here over 18 years uh, if somebody had told me, well, you're going to be doing this for 18 years, I'd have run. Because <laughs> it was too big. It was huge. But rather, you take it one small step at a time. And by going one small step at a time, there you have it. Okay, back to inspiration. We have question. Questions are really important inspirational tools that we can not only be inspired by, but we can help others be inspired by. The second tool is what, Jonathan? What is it? It's love. And to show the face of God... Because God is love. All right. So, Todd, it's love. Let's take a look at a scripture, Hebrews 10, verses 7 and 10. And as we look at Hebrews 10, 7 and 10, the formula within Hebrews 10, 7 and 10 is love plus hope plus power plus purpose. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. By this... Will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all? Okay, Todd, expand that for us. This scripture ends in our salvation, but it lays a groundwork for our salvation. It says that we've been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Now, remember, Jesus Christ was attacked by Lucifer in the wilderness. So Lucifer even recognized Jesus' power because he was the Son of God. But what did Jesus do when he came to the earth? He says... Am I going to have earthly ambition? No. He denied the earthly ambition that Satan offered him. He says, Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book it is written to me to do what? 
to do the will of God. So in this case, the love of Jesus is shown in the fact that he doesn't have any earthly ambition, that his only ambition is to do the work of God, to do the work of sanctifying and reconciliation work that he was supposed to do, and to inspire people to follow God through his life. So when you see that that uh, that that ancient prophecy repeated mm-hmm. by Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's saying, this is why I'm here. It's not for me. It's for the purpose of God's will for you. That is love. That yes. is love in its highest, most powerful form. And the nearest thing we have to that in the, in the physical world is the love of our mothers. If we have righteous mothers, we see in retrospect that they gave their whole lives just so that we might live. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, another scripture. Matthew five forty three and 44. The formula here is love plus purpose. You have heard that it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. All right. If you want to change somebody, if you want to change your enemy, wow, how about the idea of showing them love? You know, we have the scriptures that says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. There's no glory in vengeance. But Jesus was showing how we can change our enemies by loving them. That's one of the hardest things for me to do. I've tried it. It's hard. <laughs> but Jesus said it, and that, that love is the change agent. And love, so, so the lesson behind love is it's applicable everywhere in all aspects of our lives. Mm-hmm. And understand that if we can get that and then say, okay, and love therefore can be a tool to inspire others because love is also contagious. So, okay, one, one more scripture uh, before we end the segment here. Romans twelve nine to 11, and the formula here is love plus purpose. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. All right, Todd? Now, <clears throat> I might say it, it is love plus purpose plus integrity because without the apostle paul knew what it was like to love with hypocrisy because he loved when he was Saul of Tarsus he loved with hypocrisy he loved his neighbor but he only thought his neighbor were his fellow jews that believed the way he did but jesus what did jesus say he showed the apostle paul how to love without hypocrisy and it's interesting to see that his whole life mission was to show the church how to love without hypocrisy how to feed the body how to recognize the body how to fit within the body and he is emphasizing here that we love without being hypocritical abhor whatever is evil cling to that which is good that's really hard for us to do for our flesh and then what does he say be devoted to one another in brotherly love how does he know that because he knew what it was like to do the opposite so now we, we we've got two two pieces of the puzzle on the table the idea of questions make sure that the questions that you use questions as a tool wherever possible because you by asking someone a, a sincere question especially a thought-provoking question you give them the the responsibility of heavy lifting and then by showing love, what you're saying is that is a way to inspire other people. It's to change. You can change a bad person's heart just by that. Okay. So already with just these two keys, now there's five to go, but with just two keys, we can see the differences in our lives in terms of being able to inspire one another. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, Todd Alexander. And our subject is, how can I inspire like Jesus? Coming up, how can we give others inspiration through hope the way Jesus did? That's next.
are listening to Christian Questions. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for today is, How Can I Inspire Like Jesus? With our special guest, Todd Alexander. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. Or you can message us on your app. And don't forget to go to ChristianQuestions.com and sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition. And that has proven to be a really wonderful tool for many, 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 many people. So, folks, if you don't have it, give it a try. It's a free service, and if you don't like it for some reason, you can opt out with a click of a button, and nobody will ever bother you, we promise. So, question and love. Those are the first two keys to learning to inspire other people. Let's get one last point on love. So, Jonathan, let's go to 2 Corinthians 5.14, and the formula here is love plus story plus purpose. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if once died for all, then we're all dead. Okay, so Todd? The the story part of the scripture is the word constraineth. It means to hold closely or to compel. And the Apostle Paul is telling us that the love of Christ constraineth us. In fact, we appreciate Jesus' love so much that it it attaches us to him in adoration, and we follow him because of it. So what is he doing by saying this? He's giving us the formula that if we love others just like Jesus loved us, then they will be attached to us. They will be constrained. They will be closely compelled to love us back and to be a part of of that um, life force. And that's inspiration. Yes. So we have love, we have story in the metaphor that's used, and then we have a purpose in, in living a, a godly life. All right. So so that gives us a sense of, of love and how to be inspirational by how we love it. You know, and if you think of your life in terms of, okay, I would love to be inspirational, I think it, it, it changes the way you think about things because it takes some of me out of it and it puts you into my thinking. And I think it's a great way to, to, to help us to be more uh, more effective with other people as well. We can use the formulas from Jesus Christ. That's where they come from. You heard it there first. <laughs> All right, let's go back to another soundbite from that, uh, that uh, best inspirational speech ever motivational uh, video. And this is really just talking about making the choice. And so opportunities look a lot like work. To be able at any moment to sacrifice what we are for what we could be. I don't do well in math. You're right. You ain't never studied. I'm not good in writing because you have never written before. There's a, a redemptive power that making a choice has, you know, rather than feeling like you're at a effect to all the things that are happening. Make a choice, right? You just decide what it's going to be, who you're going to be, how you're going to do it. Just decide. All right. So the, and that's, I mean, that's exciting when you hear that. There's, there's a redemptive power in making a choice. And really what we're talking about is let us choose to live lives that are inspirational. And it's work. It is. It, it's, it's, it's work, but it is blessed work because the effect that it has on others is dramatic. And, and that brings us to the next key, which is hope. 
So, so hope the demonstration uh, to demonstrate potential in the future. That's that's what hope is. We're going to develop that in a second. Let's go to back to the Beatitudes. Jesus speaking to his disciples in the presence of the multitude in Matthew chapter five, three to twelve. And the formula here is love plus hope plus purpose plus story. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. All right, so Todd, there's an awful lot in those verses. It's very simple, though, because what Jesus was doing here is he was talking to the people about their existing condition. Mm-hmm. They they were mourn, they were mourning, they were poor in spirit, they were hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And what was he doing? He was basically saying that, hey, you've already arrived. You've already accomplished these things that now have value. Because if you are like that, then yours is you will inherit the earth, you will be comforted, yours is the kingdom of heaven, you shall receive mercy, you shall see God. Can you believe that? He said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for you shall see God. So he was taking their current life condition and saying, Rick, you've already arrived. Now here's another way to look at that. Because if you are poor in spirit, you will receive the kingdom of God. So he was taking their current difficulties and showing them a a, a better end result. He was showing them hope is what he was doing. Right. He was showing them, talking about their life struggles, and he was countering each struggle with a ray of hope. And I think some of my most beautiful opportunities to give people hope has been just revealing to them that they've already they're already halfway to their goal. And and sometimes we don't even think about that because we're so tied up in the difficulty, we don't think about whatever progress has been made, whatever thinking has been done. And so so to be able to give somebody else hope then make it really practical how how can i when someone is discouraged with life or whatever it is how can i help them find hope by connecting them to their dreams and by showing them how to dream because without a dream you will not have hope that's what jesus was showing them how to do now dream not in some sort of dream state but in the in the the pathway that jesus was showing he gave them hope because he gave them real life footsteps to follow all right okay so we're going to see if we can have some time to come back to that in a moment right now though why don't we go to the phones all right well we have julius from connecticut good morning julius and welcome to christian questions gentlemen good morning good morning rick todd and uh, jonathan i'm inspired well that's good yeah you're uh lord jesus through him uh tears of joy come down my eyes when I, I'm inspired by, I'll show you, uh, I'll share you one verse, uh, one text uh, in particular that's very, been very special to me the last few days. And that's John fourteen twenty one. quote, He that hath my commandments 
and keepeth them. He it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. What an inspiring uh, thought by our Lord Jesus, Scripture. And then number two, uh, Acts, one of my favorite scriptures about inspiration by our Lord Jesus. That's Acts 4.13. Acts 4.13. I'll read a little bit to you from the uh, Good News Bible. It says, The members of the council were amazed to see how bold Peter and John were and to learn that they were ordinary men of no education. They realized then that they had been companions of Jesus. God bless. Thank you. Thank you, Julius. Appreciate your call. So, and Jesus, uh, Julius brings up some of the words of Jesus in that first scripture about bringing hope. And hope changes things. As a matter of fact, there's a really great quote here from uh, Lewis Mumford from the the book, The Conduct uh, of Life. Man can live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, about eight minutes without air, but only for one second without hope. And so, Todd, hope is a real important uh, part of the human framework, but hope is not really tangible in a lot of ways. You know, hope is, how do you, how do you, how do you grab a hold of hope because it's, it's, I mean, is hope is hope emotional? Is it intellectual? Is it psychological? What it, what is it? It's both. I think hope is a, uh, a a combination of our heart and our head. And I think those two components, when we love God with our heart and our head, we love Him with all of our soul. But sometimes the issues of the vicissitudes of life overwhelm us so much that we can't ha- we don't have a vision anymore. So, without a vision, there really is no hope. Without a vision, the people perish. Okay, there you have it. That's a scripture from Proverbs. All right, mm-hmm. let's go to a couple of others, or one other scripture here uh, before our, our uh, first hour ends. Next is going to be Romans 4.18. This is the Apostle Paul. He was a purveyor of hope, living it and showing us examples of it on a constant, everyday basis. Romans 4.18. In hope, against hope, he believed, so that he might become a father of many nations, according to that which had been spoken. So shall your descendants be. All right, so, so who's, who's being spoken of here, Todd? Um, Abraham. Okay. And so what the Apostle Paul was doing here, he was giving the Jewish Christians hope in, the, in their Christianity. And he was giving them, he was starting back with something they knew very well, was Abraham. And now he was showing how Abraham's two daughters, Hagar and and uh, um, uh, Sarah were two wives. Were uh, yeah, his two wives. Yeah. I'm sorry, that's what got me mixed up. <laughs> his two wives were actual pictures of the two covenants: mm-hmm. the old covenant and the new covenant. And Sarah now was the the picture of the new covenant. So here, the uh, the the apostle Paul's technique was to use information that they already knew about, but then giving them new light about what those metaphors were in the wives of Abraham. So so we can do that as well. Amen. We can do that as well. We can go back to Scripture and show somebody something in Scripture and say, okay, here's what the Scripture says, and this is, this is inspiring, but now think of it this way, and then elevate their thinking based on what already was, and there you're giving somebody hope. Well, the words of God are the most powerful words ever that so, everybody believes in. If you want to be inspirational, don't try to get all creative. <laughs> Use the words of God. Right. Use the words of God. And, and the words of Jesus. So it really makes a difference when we see things that way. Okay, so, so Jonathan, let's go back to that, uh, that scriptures. Go thy way, 
for he is a chosen vessel I'm unto sorry, me. this is a different scripture. This is Acts 9, 15 through 16. Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. All right, so this is... Jesus talking to Ananias. Yes, and then he said, Ananias, go tell the Apostle Paul how many great things he's going to suffer because of me. Now, let's put this in context, because Ananias... Didn't like Saul of Tarsus. Because Saul of Tarsus was coming to put him in prison. He was a bad boy. (laughs) And so Jesus comes to Ananias in this vision and says, no, 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 he is a chosen vessel. Yes. So where... Talk to me about the, the hope that, that comes from this particular verse. Well, when we go farther in the Apostle Paul's life, the Apostle Paul was imprisoned, right? Yes. So what kind of attitude do you think Paul had in prison? Did, did he say, this isn't fair, this isn't right, I should not be here all this ne- night? Never. No, never, he didn't never. say that. He, what did he do? He started writing epistles. He re- started writing letters. He started doing the work of God. So I think all of us are in some sort of prison. We're either in a physical prison, we're in a psychological prison, we're in a financial prison, we're in a prison because of our families. And the Apostle Paul inspires us with hope through his example. He did the work of God, and that's that's his example. So, and, and you know, we only have like, a, you know, 45 seconds left in this in this segment, but this is powerful. You say each of us, we're all in some kind of a prison. And to find hope. Now, see, there, there's, in my mind, Todd, what you're saying is it's in two stages. First, let's find the hope in our, for our own lives. How do we see hope through our own prison? And once we can do that by applying ourselves to Scripture, we can then begin to see hope f- through the prisons of others and show them the same thing. Amen. So we've got three things that we've talked about so far this hour. Todd, what are they? Uh, the power of a question, mm-hmm. the power of love, and the power of hope. And with these three aspects, how do we use talk nine eighty? How do how do we inspire others? We use them in the right formula and at the right time in different stages of their life in our life. So we find the source for how to use them in Scripture. Then we use them through the Scriptures to communicate with the heads and the hearts of those that are around us so we can help them to find inspiration. Folks, in the second hour, there's four keys left to inspiration. We've really only just begun, so please stay with us because there's so much more to come. For Jonathan, Rick, and Todd and Christian Questions, it's all about inspiring and learning to inspire the way Jesus did. We'll be back after the news and all that, but till then, inspire. Think about it. It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. You're tuned into Christian Questions. Join the conversation now on air or online at ChristianQuestions.com and download our app by searching for Christian Questions Radio. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Jimmy Dean once said, I can't change the direction of the wind, but I can adjust my sails to always reach my destination. Good morning. Welcome back. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different 
perspective. And Jonathan, what's the subject this morning? It's kind of an odd way to say things, but what's the question? Well, Rick, our question is, how can I inspire like Jesus? And our theme text is found in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And to address this really fascinating subject of inspiration. Not just inspiration, but how can I, as an individual, learn how to be inspirational using the same keys that Jesus used. Uh, We have a special guest with us here, Todd Alexander. Todd, welcome back. Thank you, brother. You're staying for the second hour. That's a good sign. I'm here. (laughs) I'm fully engaged. I'm I'm inspired by you guys. Uh, Well, you know what? This whole thing is inspiring. When you Mm -hmm. think about all of the the myriads of lessons that the scriptures bring out for us. And this is just another kind of lesson that most of us don't think about. And so what you're saying, Todd, just to sort of sum up the, the, the overall picture, is you're saying there are seven keys to inspiration that Jesus used. Yes. And that we can learn how to inspire using those same seven keys. Yes. In my secular world, I'm an ad agency executive. I study the people in environments, especially in retail environments. So I decided to study the people in the environment in Jesus first advent and these are these are how i came up with the seven keys of inspiration and the three keys that we've talked about so far are what question love and hope and give us just a a 30 second overview on being able to ask the right question can sometimes change the course of history for somebody Mm -hmm. showing them the love is like showing them the face of god mother Teresa did it beautifully she changed several people's lives my mother did it in my life and then uh, hope, giving people hope, giving people, showing the future path that they could follow, that there is light at the end of the tunnel, that there is a silver lining around that cloud. Jesus did it best. All right. And so we've got those three keys laid out on the table for us. And still to come, we have integrity, power, purpose, and story. Those are the four keys we're going to handle in the second hour here. So let's get started with integrity. So integrity is, is, is to provide a moral foundation. So, Todd, just a little bit on integrity before we go to scriptures. Yes, my favorite example is about the Apostle Paul, how he found Timothy kind of floundering in discouragement. And what did he do? He reminded him of the faith of his grandmother and his mother, and he says, I believe that that faith is in you too. And then what the Apostle Paul did is he said, God has not given us the spirit of fear, Timothy. God has given us the spirit of power, of love and of a sound mind. So what the Apostle Paul did here was show Timothy the integrity of faith in his mother and grandmother and then said, hey, I believe that you have that too. And the integrity of faith is such an important way to look at things. And frankly, I don't want to go down this, this road here, but we live in a world where integrity just doesn't seem to be to matter to anybody anymore. Yeah, if we're human, we have problems with integrity and I'm not immune to it. <laughs> okay. All right, so... Let's go through, let's lay out some scriptures and some reasoning on the idea of how integrity can help to inspire others the way Jesus did. Let's look at Acts chapter 15, verses 36 to 39. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, along with them also, But Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. So now, 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 Todd, this is an interesting scripture because one of the things you you, you love about the Bible is it's honest. Mm -hmm. And you have this really, really 
sharp, difficult disagreement between Paul and Barnabas over this other guy, John Mark, to the point where they go separate ways. Yes. So, okay, put the, how, how do, show us the integrity here. Okay. This is, this is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The this, Apostle this is Paul, uncomfortable. The Apostle Paul got into this disagreement and he, he, he decided not to take John Mark because of the integrity of his ministry. The Apostle Paul was going into a foreign land. He was going into an antagonistic environment and he knew that he needed somebody that he could trust. Now, this model really was very clear to me in 2008 when I went over to China with uh, uh, another gentleman that was my equal or e- actually above me. Uh, he needed to be to be able to depend on me. I needed to depend on him. And if there was a lack of trust or a lack of commitment to the ministry like John Mark, then the whole thing could come crumbling So, so down. wait, wait. You guys went to China for yes. the purpose of the ministry of the gospel. <clears throat> yes. And that's a really hard place to do that. A very antagonistic environment. We were followed by the Secret Service for 45 minutes. I remember that like it was yesterday. At night with a dark sedan, no lights on, they were watching me. Man. And I needed somebody that I could trust. Now, if if I was in that situation, the Paul was in that the Apostle Paul was in that situation times ten. He didn't want to take John Mark. Barnabas wanted to. So anyway, the idea is that much later in the ministry, the Apostle Paul called for John Mark to be included. John Mark grew up. He understand stood the commitment that was required for the ministry, and through integrity of the Apostle Paul, at this moment, he inspired both Barnabas and John Mark to be better. And see, that, that's the interesting thing, is John Mark, essentially, by by cutting out on them previously, showed that there was a little bit of a lack of integrity, of sort of saying, I'm going to do one thing, but they're just not following through. Yes. So, the difficulty was with the Apostle Paul sticking to what he really believed was the best thing for the ministry. Yes. And John Mark had the character to be able to accept the criticism even though they went separate ways, and he grew up through it and became a powerful ally of the Apostle Paul later. He wrote the Gospel of Mark as as probably the secretary for the Apostle Peter. So you can see how the integrity of Paul's stand attached itself to the integrity within John Mark, and everybody ends up winning as a result. But they didn't feel good at the moment. In fact, the Apostle Paul, I think, his resolve to go forward in his integrity is really the only consolation that he had in that struggle. That's interesting. He didn't get the payoff until much later. So integrity is the kind of thing that inspires because it shows how we can plow through while there is no payoff. Yes. In patience and in, in, in the idea that I am going in the right direction. And Jesus showed it to us. And that's how we can inspire others. Mm-hmm. That, that is so cool. It just is. Okay, folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. And that means we're on right now. If you'd like to email us, you can email us at rick at christianquestions.net. Okay, uh, let's go back to another another uh, soundbite from that motivational bit video, the uh, the best inspirational speech ever. And you know, this is about willingness to give to give our all, and it really does have a lot to do with integrity. You can't be scared to die for the truth. The truth is the only thing that's ever going to be constant. That most of you say you want to be successful, but you don't want it bad. You just kind of want it. 
You don't want it badder than you want to party. You don't want it as much as you want to be cool. You, most of you don't want success as much as you want to sleep. Some of you love sleep more than you love success. And I'm here to tell you today, if you're going to be successful, you've got to be willing to give up sleep. And again, Todd, that, that really kind of focuses on the idea. If you're going to be locked onto something and committed to it, then be committed to it. And that's really what, where integrity finds its, its, its life. I agree. And uh, we're going to look at a couple of more examples here that I think will really light our fires. Okay. <laughs> it's one thing Todd knows how to do. He knows how to light your fire. That's for sure. And uh, let, let's, go on, let's go on to the, the next scripture. Uh, John chapter 21, verses 15 to 17. So this is back to the words and example of Jesus. This is Jesus comforting Peter. And again, the formula in these verses is question plus love plus integrity plus purpose plus story. I mean, this has got almost all of it together in one. Okay, Jonathan, let's go. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. There, this is a powerful set of scriptures, uh, Todd. So, so put it in the context of integrity and inspiration. Okay, well, this is after Jesus was crucified, after the resurrection. But what happened to <clears throat> Peter was that he went back to the fishing business. Right. Because he, his, his life had become, his faith had become remote and credible. Keep in mind, he just denied Jesus three times. Right. And he was remorseful about that, I'm sure. So the integrity of Jesus is shown here by coming to, G, to Peter where he was. He didn't wait for Peter to come crawling back and groveling on his knees. Jesus went to Peter, and what did Jesus do? Well, he asked a question. <laughs> He's always asking questions. But he also asked the same question three times. Right. He gave Peter the opportunity to overcome his three denials. Now, nothing was explicit here. It was just a nod here that Peter saw the integrity of Jesus, he, and, and it gave Peter the pattern of inspiring people that had maybe gone off the ministry in his future. So we see question here with Jesus' question. We see Jesus' love for Peter. We see Jesus' integrity by not rubbing Peter's nose in it. We see purpose because Jesus gave him a purpose, feed my sheep. And then we see story here because he uses that metaphor. So I think that we have a uh, the integrity of Jesus Christ here packaged with all of those other four uh, inspirational formulas becomes exponential in its effect. So the integrity, though, and, and, and I like the way you put it, Jesus went to find Peter because Jesus knew that Peter was damaged. So he just went to find him because he also knew that within that damage was incredible potential. And so his integrity brought him to Peter, and by expressing his own, Jesus' own integrity to Peter, Peter now learned to express his own integrity to others over time. And Peter had that pattern for his whole ministry. And he became a, an incredibly inspirational figure. For, for especially for those of us now who always make mistakes, you know, and everybody here in the studio is nodding, yeah, like me, because he showed us that overcoming mistakes is possible 
if your integrity is sound. Mm-hmm. And really, that, that's an incredible, incredible example. Let's go to another, another uh, scripture here, uh, Jesus confronting Judas. Now, this is very, very different, okay, because in the last one, Jesus' integrity brings him to find Peter in his damaged state to draw him back. This is Jesus confronting Judas uh, in John thirteen twenty six to twenty eight, and the, the three aspects of inspiration are integrity, power, and purpose. Jesus then answered, "This is the one for whom I shall dip the morsel and give it to him." So when he had dipped the morsel, he took it and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. After the morsel, Satan then entered into him. Therefore, Jesus said to him, "What you do, do quickly." Now, no one of those reclining at the table knew for what purpose he had said this to him. All right. Now, how does this fit into inspiration? I know we're talking about integrity, but put, put it together. Well, I think the inspiration was as the apostles reflected on this experience, they knew that Jesus knew who, what, that Judas was going to um, uh, out him. But they also knew the the prohibition on evil speaking did jesus say you're the one to uh, all of the disciples there no because judas had not done it yet what jesus did is he gave judas the opportunity to make the decision himself and even though they were in a group of the 12 disciples and keep in mind jesus just washed judas's feet yep judas smelled the perfume of the alabaster box on jesus head that anointing oil but Judas still had the gumption to go ahead and do this work. And the, I think the integrity here is the demonstration that Jesus did not shame Judas in public. And again, you said something very important. You said because he hadn't done it yet. He knew he would, but he hadn't. So there's incredible integrity. And that's what brings us to the inspiration of how, how our integrity can change other people's lives. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, Todd Alexander. And our subject is, How Can I Inspire Like Jesus? Coming up, the power of Jesus' miracles and teachings gave inspiration. What power do we have to inspire? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. When the world you're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for today is How Can I Inspire Like Jesus? We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL, or you could message us on your app. And if you'd like to write to us, you could write to us at Christian Questions, P.O. Box 1837, New London, Connecticut, 06320. And uh, during the break, we received an email. Todd, this was an email to me for you. And it says, uh, somebody who knows you says, Todd's uh, creative thoughts have inspired me for years, and he has a couple of specific questions. Okay. I'm going to condense the questions down. His first question is, what's your gospel study plan? How much time? What do you study? Is it just the word? Do you do commentaries? Um, I, I do read the gospel. I read the whole, all the scriptures, but I also like to listen to people um, uh, 
teaching us about the scriptures. Remember the um, Philip the, um, and the evangelist when he met the the man in the chariot. And oh, the eunuch, yeah. Yeah, the eunuch needed, he says, how can I know what the Bible says unless some man teach me? Right. So I think we, commentaries are very valid, but we have to measure everything against the word of God. Um, so um, I do read the scriptures, but I also read l- plenty of commentaries. Okay, and then his second question, again, I'm going to condense it down, is you know, he appreciates the messages of uh, Christ touching us through our senses. How do you come up with this stuff? He says, do you wake up with it in the morning? What? <laughs> well, actually, uh, Stephen is a very inspirational person to me, too. And um, uh, every he reminds me of this Coke bottle. We have a prop here. And every this Coke bottle was designed in 1904 for the purpose of if it was breaking in, broken into a thousand pieces, you would be able to tell it was a Coke bottle just from the one small piece. And that and and so Stephen is one of those things that inspires me. But uh, the other other things, uh, my customers, I walk in and out of lots of retail store environments, and I see how the brands inspire their people. But I think differently. I'm I'm an idealist. I'm an evangelist, and. Um, I just think differently. It's 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 uh, just the way I, I ask a lot of questions. So it's an all the time thing with you. It's 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 really interesting. I can relate to that. Okay, I can relate to that. Okay, let's get down to it. We've got to get back to our subject. So so thank you for that uh, that email. Uh, the next item, the next the next key to inspiration is power to increase a psychological or to create rather a psychological engine for momentum. So so Todd. Um, there, there's a lot on power, but there's just a few examples uh, that, without going into the scriptures, um, Jesus to Nicodemus, Peter walking on the water, the catching of the 153 fish, Matthew 24. W- what, what are those examples showing us in relation to power and inspiration? Well, in Nicodemus's experience, he was one of Jesus' enemies, and he came to Jesus at night. So Jesus saw that he was taking a big risk in his own political circles. But what did Jesus say to Nicodemus? He says... Uh, when Nicodemus asked him, how, how does all this happen? And Jesus said, you need to be born again. Um, in, the, in the case of Jesus walking on water, um, that was a very powerful experience because Peter saw that through his faith that Jesus would carry him over the difficult struggles of life. I think that's a metaphor not only for Peter and his future ministry, but that's a metaphor for us, that we can be above all of those difficulties and all those storms in our life. In the catching of the 153 fishes, the power of Jesus is in directing us to where to fish. Um, and to showing us where what to do in our life. So we need to make sure that we stay close to God and Jesus in prayer. And then in Matthew 24, the disciples said, Jesus, when, when, what are the signs of your second coming and what, 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 are the, what are the signs that will be in the world? When will this, all of this happen? And Jesus provided answers to those questions. So what does that do for power? Well, all we have to do is make sure that we ask Jesus the right questions. When we have needs, we ask in prayer. So... Again, power, in, in listening to your, just going over those, those four different examples, what it comes down to is power not from us, yes, but power through us. Amen. And you know what? The light that shines from us comes after the light that shines in us. And so without that, we are really powerless in terms of really truly inspiring others. We're a conductor, and if we don't allow ourselves to be full of the Spirit and to be full of the love of God, then we're going to conduct an uncertain signal. And we don't want that. That's the wrong kind of power. Right. Uh, okay. Let, let, let's, let's take a break here for a second. Let's go to that, back to the uh, best inspirational uh, speech ever, uh, talking about the development of, 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 of talent and skill and what the differences are. And then we're going to relate that back to power and some more scriptures. 
the separation of talent and skill is one of the, 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 the greatest misunderstood concepts for people who are trying to excel, who have dreams, that want to do things. Talent you have naturally. Skill is only developed by hours and hours and hours of beating on your craft. If competitive challenge is what excites people, why then do we choose the easiest challenge? Common sense, think about it. It's easy to be boxed in a limited life. Tougher to compete for expansion. So the difference between talent and skill. Skill you've got to work at and work at and work at. But maybe you're born with talent. But, you know, the idea is that, you know, we're all inspired by, by going further, and yet we oftentimes choose the easy way out. Yeah, I kind of like the Southwest Airlines hiring policy. They hire for talent and they train for skill. Mm-hmm. Because you can train for skill, but you can't train talent. Right. And I think that's what Jesus did for the ministry, that, you know, God is the one that selected the disciples and turned them over to Jesus. So, and that's what uh, happened throughout all the ministry. We're called of God, and then we're trained by Jesus. And we're, and so it's not so much, folks, here's the thing, you know, each of us, you said at the beginning, each of us has the ability to be inspirational. So it's not like the ability to inspire is not a talent it's a skill. Mm-hmm. It can be learned. It can be rehearsed, and then it can be generated if we understand these seven keys. Yes. So let, let's go a little further now with uh, with power in terms of inspiration. Second Timothy one six to seven. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. All right. So obviously, you know, we've been given a spirit of power. Now, how do we fit this this spirit of power into this concept of inspiration, inspiring others? Well, we have to realize it. You know, the Apostle Paul gave Timothy the gift of prophecy by the laying on of his hands. And Timothy was, his temperament was a little weak. He was a little timid. And uh, the Apostle Paul noticed that he was hiding from the ministry. And um, so the Apostle Paul noticed that Timothy was quenching the work of the ministry. Um, and so what did the Apostle Paul do? Did it, As a mentor, he didn't make fun of him. He helped Timothy overcome that inertia of wasting time by reminding him of wait, his wait, gift. Wait, 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 wait. Overcome the inertia of wasting, of time. wasting time. You like that? I, yes, I do. That's why I stopped you there because it creates this this momentum that once you get into it, it's hard to get out of. It is. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Um, we call it the mud and the wheels. But what, <laughs> Tim, what the Apostle Paul did to Timothy is he reminded him that he was selected by Jesus, that the Lord had a special interest in him. So he was showing Timothy how to tap into that power. He said, hey, God has not given us the spirit of fear. He's given us the spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And I think that sound mind is what you talked about just a moment ago you know the apostle paul says that we should be renewed by the we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind and it's an intentional um, logical formulaic response to the love of god and that is where the power comes from it comes from the transformation of the mind again it's not the power of your own ego it's not the power of your own thinking it's the power of the transformation 
of your mind, and when that power can be expressed to others, you are suddenly in a position to be able to inspire others. And Todd, you've said it over and over again in a lot of different ways. When you inspire others, you change their lives. You do. Now, the difficult part of that is that the only reason the Apostle Paul was able to do that, because he felt helpless himself. He was in the deep. He was uh, under the stripes. He was in prison. And you know what? He probably looked to Joseph's example in prison and saw the awesome power of God to bring Joseph before the Pharaoh. And he knew that Timothy would have the same experience. So what you're saying is that the apostle, by knowing the Old Testament, drew on the examples of those heroes of faith and said, here am I in a similar situation. God is with me as well. And he draws the power from those experiences and says, let that power run through me. And that's the importance of a gospel study plan, just like my coworker Stephen talked about. All right. So, 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 so folks, the idea is all of these keys can work you know, together with one another. They can be individual tools. However we use them, learn what it means to have power, to where the power comes from, what the kind of power it is, and then how to express it in a godly, loving fashion to actually inspire somebody else's life and experience to, to take a different direction. Let's take a look at, well, first of all, folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central, and that means we're on right now. Out from the dark ages and into the light of today, join us 24-7 at ChristianQuestions.com. All right, we had mentioned the Old Testament. Let's go back to another Old Testament scripture, this time about Daniel and King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, and, and that's some of those circumstances. Daniel chapter 5, verses 10 to 12. The queen entered the banquet hall because of the words of the king and his nobles. The queen spoke and said, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts alarm you or your face be pale. There is a man in your kingdom, in whom is a spirit of the holy gods. And in the days of your father, illumination, insight, and wisdom, like the wisdom of gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, appointed him chief of the magicians, conjurers, Chaldeans, and diviners. This was because an extraordinary spirit, knowledge and insight, interpretation of dreams, explanations of enigmas, and solving of different problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar. Let Daniel now be summoned, and he will declare the interpretation. All right, so Phyllis and Todd, in terms of the, the, the power that was expressed by Daniel, just by his very being. Well, you know, the Apostle Paul only had the Old Testament scriptures to right. refer to. So he was able to refer to back to see the Spirit of God working in the hearts of his servants. And I think Daniel was a, a perfect example of that. Now look at what the Queen says. He says, uh, in whom is the Spirit of the Holy Gods? He says this of Daniel. Well, the Apostle Paul had the same thing. Right. He had the Holy Spirit. He was given the Holy Spirit, and so do we. And what else does the queen say about Daniel? Illumination, insight, wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods. These were so powerful that lived in Daniel that they were able to change the Babylonish culture. They were able to influence the highest king in the land, and that was the promise that Jesus gave to Paul through Ananias. He says, you will speak before kings. So here, I think this was a probably the power of this scripture was an encouragement to the Apostle Paul when he was in his prisons. So Daniel, by using the power of God, was able to change the Babylonish culture. Amen. 
we, by using the power of the Spirit, we may not change the culture of the world at this time, but the power of that Spirit will change the culture of the world because we are given what's called the ministry of reconciliation. Exactly. And that comes through the power of the Spirit of God. Not because you're so good, Mm -hmm. but because the power of the Spirit of God is focused on the plan of God. And Jesus talked about this. He says, hey, are you guys excited about the miracles that I'm doing? He says, hey, you'll do greater works than these. And that's the power of bringing a helpless heart to God in the in the ministry in our current ministries. So the power is going to be really focused on doing exactly what the right thing is all the time. That's where the power comes from. So let's go back to the soundbite because this is this really sort of exemplifies this part of our conversation. All men are created equal. Some work harder in preseason. I'm gonna say it again because you might have missed it. All men are created equal. Some work harder in preseason. The first step before anybody else in the world believes it is you have to believe it. There's no reason to have a plan B because it distracts from plan A. And I love that phrase. There's no reason for a plan B. Because if it's the power of God through God's spirit to to purpose his plan that is driving us, then there's no reason for anything else. And if we can harness that power and show that power to others, that can be inspiring to them as well. Mm-hmm. It's an incredible thought. It really is an incredible thought, not only to, 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 to apply these things to ourselves, but to be able to move others with that application. All right, one more. One more uh, well, actually, yeah, we, we, we've kind of come to a conclusion on power. We want to just open the door on point number six, key number six, and that is purpose to show the structure of one's future relevancy. Let's go to Matthew 16, 24 to 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So, Todd, we, we have, you know, in this segment, we've got maybe just uh, 30 seconds left. So we're just going to, let's just open the door on purpose here. Jesus gave the disciples a purpose. He gave them a three-step process. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. That's a powerful purpose. And the, the disciples were already... Uh, disenchanted with their secular and religious environment, their socioeconomic conditions. So they had the opportunity to, to follow the Messiah. So disenchantment with the present gives you purpose for the future if you're given the right input. A clear vision. And that is so, so important. So purpose, purpose is next. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick with our special guest, Todd Alexander. And our subject is, how can I inspire like Jesus? Coming up, so what kinds of stories inspire us? What lights us up? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for today is, How Can I Inspire Like Jesus? with our special guest, Todd Alexander. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 
Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. And don't forget to sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition, at ChristianQuestions.com. It's a free service, and there's graphics, illustrations of each of our uh, programs, and it, it helps to listen to the archive while you read along with with the uh, Rewind. It, it's a real blessing. Yeah, and we've gotten such great, great, great feedback from so many people who've used that. So it is a, a really, really well-constructed tool. So let's get back to purpose. That was the sixth key to inspiring, to being inspired, and to inspiring others. So let's take a look at a specific scripture, a story, if you will, that helps us to develop the understanding of purpose. Uh, this is Matthew 25, 1-12, the parable of the wise and foolish virgins, and the formula in this particular parable is integrity plus purpose plus story. Then the kingdom of heaven will be compared to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the prudent took oil in flasks along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight there was a shout, Behold the bridegroom! Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose, trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, No, there will not be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some from yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Later, the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Okay, so Todd, integrity plus purpose plus story, and we're focusing on purpose. Give us a rundown on putting purpose to work in this particular parable, and then how can we express it to others in terms of inspiration? Uh, Rick, one of Jesus' most familiar refrains in the scriptures is, Watch and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. And the way that he showed, spoke this story gave the people actually a purpose. When you, if you were a disciple and you actually heard this story, you would be self-determined in your heart to say, oh, you know what, I need to make sure I have oil in my lamp. Or, you know what, I may better make sure I'm not sleeping. How can I watch and pray when I'm sleeping? Or, I'm, when I hear that shout, I'm going to listen for that shout, which is going to require me to watch and pray. And uh, you know what? I want to be one of those wise virgins that rises at the shout and trims my lamp. And you know what? If I don't have enough in it right now, I'm going to go buy some for myself before I hear the shout. So this was a purpose that Jesus gave for their daily life. And what was the big message? If you don't have oil in your vessel, you better go out and get some right now. (laughs) <laughs> because sooner than later, it's going to be too late. Because there's a purpose for this. Amen. You have to be engaged in executing the purpose. What and does the oil really mean? Good. It's the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit working in our bodies so that it shines. Remember we said the mm-hmm. light that shines from us only comes after the light that shines in us. Right. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit shining in our life. So again, the purpose is not self-generated. It's God-generated through us. And as it comes through us and goes toward others, that's where we can have our purpose, which is the purpose of God, inspire. And truly people should be able to see the face of God in us. That 
is a challenge. <laughs> Just want to read a, a quick uh, uh, Christian Questions app comment. Hello, Rick, Jonathan, and Todd. I made an effort to get up early just to hear you live, and what a blessing. I'm working very hard to be like our Lord. I live by um, First Timothy or Second Timothy 1.7 every day. I'm striving hard to be an inspiration to help uh, with the help of one of my, my, own, my one and only Savior, Jesus. You guys give me inspiration also. Love you guys from Marjean. So... Um, Marjean's a listener in in Tennessee. Oh, very and, good. Uh, Hi, Marjean. <laughs> she's awesome. Oh. I've actually had the privilege of actually speaking to her one on one. I want to meet her someday, and I'm I'm sure you will. <laughs> so again, it's purpose. It's the focus of our purpose in our lives. Um, Todd, there's another story here that we're not going to really touch on, but the Good Samaritan it really has a lot in terms of purpose. Give me just a thirty second. The big question here was from the lawyer, and he was asking Jesus, hey, who's my neighbor? At that point, the Jews really thought that only the Jews were their neighbors. But Jesus was bringing in a big picture of the Good Samaritan who was actually doing the work of God. Now, the point here is that if we want to um, is live the right purpose, if we, want, we need to make sure that we have the... Uh, live by the principles of God and not be constricted when somebody is dying and really needs our help. And that's what Jesus was teaching here. So, again, purpose is not just, okay, I've got to make myself more Christ-like. It's making ourselves more Christ-like by living the example of Jesus. Yes. It's bigger than me. Being contagious. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. We have just a few minutes left here. We've got maybe eight minutes left. And I want to take some time and talk about the concept of story because, you know, we've had to cram these things. In. It's amazing. We, we talked for two hours and it's like it's been 10 minutes, it feels like. Mm-hmm. And we're here on up to the seventh key of inspiration, story to make truth self-evident and, uh, and memorable. And it's interesting to me, Todd, how you, you, you put these together because questions and story are like two bookends here. They are. You know, you, you ask the right questions and you put the impetus on that individual to do the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. Telling a story, if you tell the right kind of story, it makes them think. And it wraps it all up like a Christmas present, all these beautiful truths. And that's what Jesus gave us. He gave us these gifts. Okay, so talk to us about just the pieces or the, the concept behind story and how, can, how story works, how Jesus used it, and how we can learn to use it as well. Well, Jesus used story to package up really difficult truths, new truths, actually, that he was trying to tell people, and not only so that they could understand, but that they could be unpacked throughout the whole gospel age. Okay, so first point is story was important to get new truths yes. in place. Yes. Okay. Now, uh, I overheard my son disciplining his five-year-old son. His five-year-old son wasn't sharing his toys. And I overheard my son saying, you know, our family is a sharing family. Now, there's a story in there. And that's a, f- a, a concept that my grandson will never forget. His family is a sharing family, and he should stay true to those ideals. Now, that's a lot more powerful than just saying you need to share. You're right. You're right, because it, 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 it brings the concept into it packages it. my real life. It says that, hey, you've got something inside you, grandson, and you're, you're part of this family, and we're a sharing family. So the other, th- the other thing that's interesting to me is that we actually take all of our actions in life based upon the feelings of the story we t- stories we tell ourselves. Now, think, okay, okay, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Uh, based upon the stories that we tell ourselves. Yeah, now let me ex- ex- provide an example. We, the, we, we observe a fact in life, right? We observe something, 
And then we, what we do is we tell a sto- ourselves a story about that fact. Let's say somebody cuts us off in, in the highway. Mm-hmm. We, that's a fact. Then mm-hmm. we tell ourselves a story about that fact. We can either have a positive story or a negative story. And then we have feelings based upon the story that we tell ourselves about that bad driver. And then we take an action based upon that feeling. The proper action is to slow down and, and get out of their way. The, the improper action is to create more angst on the highway. So, but the only fact in the matter is what actually happened. Exactly. Everything else is fabricated. But our actions are based upon the feelings that we have of the story that we told ourselves. So, we all tell, and we, look, folks, we all know this is true. We all tell ourselves stories about our lives all the time. Right. And what you're saying is because those stories are fabricated based on a fact somewhere, we have to be careful as to what story you listen to because it's the the emotions that that are are generated are what end up driving us amen and it could be a completely fictitious uh, thing in our minds that's driving us and then we miss the point right now just think of this in the terms of Jesus his reactions based upon the feelings that he had from the stories he was telling himself of the facts remember Jesus said lo I come in the volume of the book it is written to do your will so the the f- the, the fact was that he was being persecuted, actually crucified. Mm-hmm. But what was the story he said, told himself about that? Well, this is the will of God. And then the third thing is, oh, I have, I have, I have a wonderful feeling because this is God's will. And so his action was to be a sheep to the slaughter because he was doing the will of God. So that's an example of telling a factual story based on the facts. Amen, brother. And finding the value of the story and then living the value, and by his very living of that value, we sit here totally inspired by it. We have positive momentum because of Jesus. And we can do the same for others. All right, let's go to Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 to 24. Tell me, you who want to be under law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondwoman and one by the free woman. But the son by the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and the son by the free woman through the promise. This is allegorically speaking, for those women are two covenants, one proceeding from Mount Sinai, bearing children, who are to be slaves. She is Hagar. Sounds like a story in the making right there. Yeah, I think what the Apostle Paul was doing to the brethren in Galatia was he was helping them understand that transition from the Jewish age to the gospel age, to the hope of the law, to the hope in Jesus. And what did the Apostle Paul do? He used story, Ricky. He used story. And he showed them how the transition to those ages was pictured in their father Abraham's life experience. So he told them information that they already believed to be true, but gave them new information that a, a, a very tangible experience that they could already understand and indeed already believed to be true. So they, he built upon something that they knew, helped them see something that they didn't know because it was built on something that they knew. And it's, and it's the power of telling a story. So a story isn't necessarily something made up, but it's the relaying of, of, uh, of an experience or some other thing that, that creates the reality in your own life. Yes, and it could be as simple as, how often would I have gathered you like a hen gathereth her chickens? That's a story. It is a story, and it's a powerful story. Story synthesizes and engages. And you know what, Todd? Nobody ever calls me Ricky. Oh. You're the only person who's allowed to call me Ricky. I got fired up, <laughs> but I love you, brother. I know. That's why I let you get away with it. <laughs> no. So, all right. So, so Todd, you know, we're, we're down to the last couple of minutes here, and 
the, the, the concept of story is really, really powerful. And the stories that we can tell, the stories that we can tell then to others, they can be stories of our own lives and, 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 and the gospel's power in our lives. They can be stories that we get directly from scripture to build truth upon truth upon truth. Uh, those are the kinds of stories that inspire. Yes, values and action stories are my favorite. And so... One of the things also, Todd, just a quick, quick comment on this. There's two things hopefully we can get to. First of all, what about looking around your life and saying, who, who inspires me in my life right now? I think that's a great tool. And I look back on my history teacher, Robert Hines, in, in high school in Rockville, Maryland. He was a terrific inspiration. Another one, Donald Curry up in Ottawa, Ontario. These are ins- people that their inspiration lives in my heart and it the, they're, they're, the facts change, but the story remains the same. And they changed you. They changed me. Inspiration changes us. Mm-hmm. We can pass that inspiration from one to another. And one final scripture, Todd, that I told you we were going to cover in the first segment, and we completely forgot it. Okay, very good. Genesis one twenty six. You wanted to, to talk about that a little bit. I love that. Well, that's uh, God speaking. He says... Um, and God said, let us make man in our own image, after our likeness. And now... We think of that as a visual image, but it's really a, a mental and moral and uh, image. When we when we think of the power of God, we think of our human selves as a f- physical, as heart, as intellectual, with intuition and with spirit. And I think that this this um, inspiration formula is born out of our heavenly Father and His Son Jesus. So Christ. we get it from Him. Amen. Todd, we're out of time. Wrap it up. Inspiration is a tool that Jesus taught by his example. We often listen to his words, but we should look at his actions and we should look at the power behind his words and how he changed lives. We want to change people's lives. Let's look at the power and the formula that we've developed is first, ask the right question. Second, show them love. Show them the face of God. Give them hope, integrity, power, purpose, and story. Todd, thanks so much for being with us this morning. It's truly been inspirational. And I'm not saying that just because that's what we're talking about. You walk away from a conversation like this feeling more focused, more directed, and seeing more hope and more possibility. Folks, that's what inspiration is. We need to bring that one to another. And if we just apply what Jesus taught us how to apply, we can actually be positive movers in the lives of other people. Be inspirational, be like Jesus, and see whose lives you can change. For Jonathan and Rick and Todd and Christian Questions, we will be back again next week with another subject. But till then, how can I inspire like Jesus? Folks, how can you do it? Work at it. Till next week, think about it.